0: I think that a good book can be a good book, good book just for the sake of being entertaining.
1: See, but, you know, I I have my often purported theory of, of literature and shitterature, um, and I would in no way put this book in the literature category.
0: So is it either... Would you? A book is either literature or shitterature?
1: Right. And so, like... Uh, Novels that you just read for entertainment but have no like literary merit, like you would never consider it winning like a Booker Prize or something like that, would go into the literature category. Whereas, where uh, sorry, so Harry yeah. Potter,
0: where does Harry Potter fall? This is
1: off debated. Um, I put it in schitterature.
0: Okay, so I think I will proudly place this book beside Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and whatever else constitutes literature if that's the benchmark
1: i yeah i'm just saying like you know i know there's a lot of people that say like oh if you if it entertains you then it's good because you know that's the job of a book is to entertain you and if it's entertaining then it must be a good book i don't agree necessarily
0: so i mean i would say like, Catch-22 is, like, similarly funny and similarly absurd in many ways. I would put that in literature, but I would also consider that a better book than Last Days.
1: Yeah. I have not read Catch-22. I want to.
0: You'd hate it. It's really funny.
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I need to make a quick pause. Uh, my computer just uh, dropped the Wi-Fi, so I'm going to have a quick... The book that is being discussed is Last Days by Brian Evanston. This is part two. We've read the second two sections of the novel. And I, again, I lost the Wi Fi, so I lost the recording, and I'm just starting it over really quickly. Now, carry on. <laughs> Sorry, we're back, back in. The beginning. Bill, what did no, you, you don't have to repeat anything. I thought that was a really God. nice introduction. I what just, I just needed to, I just need, needed to like point out for those listening that the book that is being discussed, as Who's whether listening? it is literary or not, my mom, my wife, uh, that's pretty much our fan base. Uh, the book that we are discussing is Brian Evanson's Last Days, second two sections. Mrs. Uh,
3: Roos, don't read it. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. She's already read the entire thing.
2: So, uh, so
0: Eric, how did you feel about the second half?
2: Uh, I liked it less than the first.
0: Elaborate. I uh,
2: what I I think what I liked about the first half is that it it brought us to this uh to this establishment that had a mystique to it, and we ventured deeper and deeper into this cult and we learned more and more about its inner workings and started to uh, uncover some of the secrets that were going on and then part two starts up and I feel like it becomes a totally different book because rather than uh, I don't know, rather than focusing on the mystery and the investigation it just becomes uh, a gunfight with very little, like, investigative work going on at all.
0: Yeah, I'd
1: agree with that. The acknowledgement at the end, though, or not the acknowledgement, at least um, the part that I have in my book says, like, the first part was written and published, and then the author saw it was getting some notoriety, so he wanted to write a follow-up part to it. So that kind of goes into
2: your why it feels disconnected. Yeah,
1: and it
3: was, it's meant to be two different novellas um, under one title.
2: Could you imagine reading the second one without reading the first, though?
3: No, <laughs> no. I mean, it's a direct follow-up. It's a sequel. It's like it's almost like a cash grab
0: by
2: the author. I almost <laughs> call me crazy, but I feel like you're crazy. I, I'd almost rather not have the second half. Like I feel like it destroys everything that it sets up in the first one. If we are trying to put this in the literature shelf. I feel like we need to not have the second half because it's the only half that I could take seriously.
3: Yeah, the second about, one does get a little bit muddled with this, extra.
1: What about the second half that makes you not take it seriously that is different from the first half?
2: I In the first half there was like a a plot that was heading in a certain <laughs> direction where I feel like in the second half you're just getting pulled wildly in crazy directions with the author without really much foreshadowing or setup.
1: It's almost like he didn't have a plan and he was just writing. Yeah, uh, it's writing. very, the
2: writing is the plot I feel is very manic because you're with the Pauls and you're like, okay I wonder what's going to happen here. And then he just gets out and then he gets attacked by the other group and then he starts his like mad crusade against the other group. It's just because he's God. I I just and feel I like after him. <laughs> I feel like the first half is well-paced, whereas I feel like the second half is absolutely manic.
1: I, I, uh, I agree that the second half is a lot worse than the first half. I felt like the second half was a giant, like, action movie cliche, you know? Because, like, people kept sneaking up on people, and Klein kept, like, knocking people out, like, instantly. Right? How many times did he pistol I with tried somebody. to keep a body count, but I, I didn't bring my like, copy of the book. But it was, like, in the teens...
3: Oh, it was more than that. He killed dozens. He killed the whole town. Whole... And also, let's
1: talk about how Klein got shot in the head and just walked away the next day. Like, what?
3: <laughs> that was the literary value. He killed somebody by shooting him through the eye, and then he how got shot the... through the eye.
1: <laughs> the part where he cuts off the guy's head, and then, like, the beginning of the next chapter, he's like, I'm handling this incredibly well. <laughs> 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 but, I, I actually... Like that part of Klein because I was like, I can now accept Klein's actions because he is insane. Whereas yeah. before, I couldn't accept his actions because he just didn't make sense. Now he still doesn't make sense, but it's okay because no one would make sense in this situation. <sighs> it's established. <laughs> I'm handling this incredibly well.
3: <laughs> so, can I can I read a quick little section? Um, and I know this doesn't really follow any trajectory that we're talking about, but the, the book's manic and it's so funny. Um, So on page 142, this is when Klein has killed a couple of the guards entering the compound. And uh, then he, like, takes the form of a guard. He pretends to be one. So another guard comes up. Is everything okay? The figure asked. Everything okay, Klein said. What about those shots? That wasn't from here, said Klein. No? Where's your partner? Down the fence a little way, said Klein. He went to see if there's a problem. Well, that's not procedure, said the man. I told him not to do it. (laughs) The man purged softly, then sighed, and then, a different note entering his voice, he asked, Why haven't you turned on the lights? Klein quickly shot him, aiming for his head. (laughs) 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 I just imagine this, like, (laughs) like, this brief moment of, like, oh, shit, I've been found
0: out. Let me just kill him.
3: Like, I don't know, dude. I thought that was so funny.
1: Um, Another thing that I was a little surprised at was uh, the, what was his name, Frank, the detective? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I don't understand how there could be two secret societies with assassin amputees, (laughs) and you find somebody on the road who has an amputation, and you don't immediately think, like, maybe I should go talk to the Colts. Like, I don't
0: know. Colts?
3: I'm not going to lie. I didn't understand Frank's placement. I feel like he was just kind of tossed in there, like, as a third, like, element of chasing down Klein. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I just feel, like,
2: I, yeah, no, I think you're right He I wasn't think...
3: mentioned at all And then all of a sudden it's like Frank and two other policemen were in the were in my apartment And I was like, what?
2: But Frank was pretty what? I think with all those crimes being committed You needed some law enforcement uh, And But that given, being said like I agree, he was very barren The only scene that I think was recognizable with Frank Is when he was pushing his pen into Klein's wounds To get information out of him
0: Mm-hmm and don't forget, like, the long, tortuous, uncomfortable conversation that Klein has with him uh, when Frank is in the hospital. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was not my favorite part of the book.
2: <laughs>
0: what does he say again? Um, oh, hey, I killed a bunch of people. Why are you telling me? Uh... uh... Uh, oh, you should go to the police station. Uh, I killed dozens. Yeah, <laughs> like, I forgot that. You know, And, like, he's just, I brought, I I brought don't you care. this head. He's like, brought, hey, I what you got you... there? Severed head. He's <laughs> <Yeah. It's> like, <laughs> what, what in the blue blazes? Why would you bring that
3: here? <laughs> Why don't you put it on the nightstand so I don't have to see it? Better yet, on the floor.
0: <laughs> like... <laughs> and same thing with uh, with Rams and on his way out of Destroying everyone at the cult. He's like, "Oh, you want me to leave the head here for you? Would that help?" Yeah. And Rams is like, "No." And <laughs> uh,
2: which, which which leads me to bully. I don't know, and that's why I that I see the comedy in it because just from a personal reference, uh, when I filmed uh, like Cop Two, which is a <laughs> video that I uh, made in my high school days, we intentionally made it like a detective comedy and one of the things that happens is we have a severed head as a prop just because we thought it was really funny. And I think the author thought the exact same thing because Klein at one point is, like, kicking the severed head like a football across the floor, and I just I just can't imagine you're writing that scene and not laughing at yourself.
3: He uses it to bust out a window so he can crawl through. Yeah,
2: like, there's no way that's trying to be serious.
3: He definitely was trying to
1: be serious. <laughs>
2: So, you're saying he has like the same mentality as a high school writer? <laughs> I, I think he's playing with the detective tropes. Don't
0: think what so are all. the
2: detective
1: tropes, though?
2: Hard boiled detective without or that's, that's with nothing to lose. Yeah, with nothing to lose that's dedicated and driven to f- finding an end to the crime.
0: Okay, black white, like, smooth jazz music. What's Klein's yeah, background? Atlanta, what doesn't he
2: have to lose?
0: Uh, he doesn't Uh, have any friends. His hand. (laughs) How do you know
2: that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, what are you talking about? How do you know?
0: They just talk about how depressed he was at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because he lost a hand.
1: And apparently there was, like, some money stashed away at some point. There was one line about that.
0: Oh, yeah. No, they mentioned it a few times. Like, he didn't have to work. He took the gentleman's money, so he had, like, a few hundred grand stashed away somewhere. Yeah. So I don't be okay.
1: is anyone else sad that they didn't elaborate on the guy who cut Klein's hand off originally
3: I'm very <laughs> upset about that I am <laughs> like if there's one downfall of this book that I have to highlight it's the fact that we never hear back about that because I remember after part one we were like they're definitely going to explain it like mm-hmm. yeah. then nothing hey I've got a question If we're, if we're all good on the other stuff Shoot. Uh, so, it, towards like the... I think it was part three um, in the last... Basically the last chapter stuff. Um, <clears throat> There's the long... Or at least it was repeated many times the idea of what it means to be human and what it means to lose your humanity. Oh, God. Um, what, <laughs> what do you think character. was... No, the entire section. It was riddled throughout. Like, I'm still human, right? I'm not human. I'm still human. I'm not human. When I... uh, right. He, he only used what, one clip what do you think to was... save his humanity. Right. Which I didn't understand because he's like, if I only use one clip, that means I'm still human. But then he shoots this guy, breaks his neck with his heel, shoots another guy, strangles him to death through, like, it has to cover the hole with his hand. Like, He's doing these very gruesome things around these gunshots that I would assume makes you less of a human. Um, anyways, what do you guys think the point was in all that? And well, I understand that you could easily say there was no point. But so I, I think I do have an answer for
1: what he was attempting to do. And I, <laughs> I'm not saying he does it well, but what I think he was attempting to do is because there was yeah. all that talk about him becoming being the son of God.
2: Yeah. and okay. that would
1: make him no longer human and that's why it was like juxtaposed with him losing his humanity through this violent oh. act because that's how the Pauls recognize him as holy is through the violent act against Brashar so now oh, this second violent act is like his ascension to godhood
3: damn that's good that is good
1: my, my problem with it though is that and I wish I had my copy of the book with me. but So he says, like, oh, if I if I just use two clips, then I can maintain my humanity. And this is when he's, like, sitting in the bushes before he goes in. Mm-hmm. And then a second, it's like, but Klein realized he doesn't care. Like, he'll use however many it takes to right. get the thing done. Something like that. It says that. Something along those lines. But then right after that, it goes back to, like, man, I can only use one clip or I lose my humanity. Well, and then was... it repeats that like two dozen times. And I'm like, but you just said I don't care anymore. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. That's I don't know. I thought that that was a humorous point where he says, okay I can only use six bullets and then he reloads and he says, okay, I can only use six more.
3: Yeah. Oh, right, because he's about to leave the gun and start on a new clip, but he's like, I'm just going to reload this gun and there's a loophole there, so I'll take advantage of it.
0: Well, and then ultimately he says, "Fuck the gun. I'm just going to use the cleaver." So that, right. like, talk yeah. about which is descent. crazy. Yeah.
1: So I feel like that was an especially disappointing part because I, it was set up like to be cool. Like it could have been like good, but he wore it like inconsistently, and it didn't work.
2: I all right, but you're just saying that, and I understand yeah. we don't have much backstory on the man with the cleaver. <laughs> But isn't it kind of poetic that the man with a cleaver is the bad guy at the beginning, the one who severed the hand of our hero Klein, and then Klein then uses a cleaver as his weapon choice towards the end? Yeah,
1: when I, when I was talking about like the missed opportunity thing, I was talking more about the god part of it. Like, mm. ascension to godhood part is what I was talking about. It is interesting, I didn't think about that, but he it kind of starts and ends with a crazy guy using a cleaver. I also... Just sticking on that part, if I may say one thing. You you go through a house and you kill, what, two dozen people with a cleaver by knocking on their door and stabbing them? Eventually, somebody's gonna scream and you would think everybody would realize what's going on, like... (coughs) Like, he literally went door-to-door, knocked, stabbed them. You know? Like... I don't
3: know. I just thought the fact that he killed several dozen people with one cleaver I, right. I thought that was enough humor in itself <laughs> like let alone the, the physical um, reality of something like that
2: but I guess but they are in term like, term like a closet com- they're only in like a closed off compound you know like they took themselves away from society so it's almost their fault yeah, but that these things happen imagine by the 24th
1: guy, guy you <laughs> only have one arm like, your arm's got to be pretty tired. Like, I don't think you're going to get much force there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, the nice thing is the people you're attacking are also missing limbs, so... Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, like
3: significantly you know, more, more than you. <laughs> yeah,
0: because
3: these are all 12s and uh, 11s yeah, and 10s because he cuts them down to uh, Ramsey, who's uh, 9.
2: I just feel like this book is so... Unique, that, because it just stands out, you know. Mm-hmm. I and I feel like I understand that it's gotten a one star rating, but you're never going to forget "Last Days" by Brian Evans. Like if I, I wish, I'm gonna when, we're, <laughs> when this podcast is running its 25th anniversary. Uh, oh God! <laughs> I'm going to be. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go to Ben. I'm gonna say, hey Ben and Ja." It's just a book that you won't be like. Which one was that again? Oh, who is the character in that? Because I'm going to be like... Yeah, Bad, but like, but, like, but remember Last Days? See. And he'll be like, oh yeah, the Last Days.
0: Oh yeah, Friend oh. Klein, Friend Klein,
2: And the Pauls. Yeah, and the Pauls. It's just so poignant. I just think it's so poignant.
1: Yeah, but it's like... I'm also never going to forget that time that I had this... Scoop, like, human shit water. Shit. Like... <laughs> that doesn't mean it's a good thing. <laughs>
2: so do you think... Would you classify this as just like shock art or like just intentionally like jarring for the sake of like having an impact on the readership?
1: No, I would qualify Naked Lunch as shock art. I would qualify this as an attempt at making a twisted thriller that failed.
0: Okay. <laughs> Agreed.
2: Okay. I don't think either of us are going to change each other's minds. We, I think
1: we'll have to again. read in more Brian Evans. Have context.
0: Yeah. No. Have to explore the polio. <laughs> no. <laughs> that maybe we should reread Les Days again before moving on to our next book. To We're really dig really, in and really find sure, that literary value. <laughs> yeah, just make sure we have like a full grasp of it. Um, I'm sure there's essay prompts we can find online, and we can review each other's. And... Yeah. Did you guys like the Pauls though? Was... The Poems? The
2: Pauls. What did you think of the Pauls as an organization?
3: It was more confusing out. than the mutilisa- Brotherhood of Mutilation.
2: I thought they were
1: shallow and underdeveloped.
3: Oh. I thought it
1: was. I wish it was explained why they all have to
2: look alike. Because that. It's like communism. If they, The issue with the Brotherhood of Mutilation is that there's caste systems based on the amount yeah, of mutilations pool. you have. Well, and no, so the Pauls yeah, eliminate all that by all looking exactly the same so that there's well, no, no...
1: They explained why they all cut off that one arm, but they didn't explain why they all have to dye their hair blonde.
2: <laughs> nobody wants to be better. No one's better than about one that. another. That's how they, they achieve like unity as a it's group. Equal. And I, th- I frankly, I think we should do more things like that. Yeah. <laughs> You no. Know, maybe just in the book club. Maybe if we all just dye our hair the same color, maybe we could come closer. But I just like the fact that even even something as twisted as a brotherhood of mutilation can be corrupted with like vanity and jealousy. Like you would think, I don't know, like even even a group that has such like a twisted moral compass is infected with the same issues that we have in our human normal society. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just thought the, I thought the Pauls were cool. I like how they were a branch, like a, a fallen angel kind of thing.
1: So you think that it's this book is like the real meaning of the book?
2: No, 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 like, no, 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 no,
1: this strict caste system between the haves and the have-nots in the Brotherhood of <laughs> <Immunilation>, depending <laughs> on how much you've given up, uh, and then you have the Pauls, who are like a communistic society, who are all peaceful and get along. You think that Brian Evanson is like advocating that we move to a more <coughs> communistic economy?
2: No, the novel. I just I, I don't think he's saying anything that eloquent. I just think he truly did his job as the author, thought the Brotherhood of Mutilation through, played it out like how the organization went in year 5, year 10, year 20 and came to the conclusion that eventually there would be rifts in this organization <coughs> that eventually a sister branch uh, would open up or com- com- competing faction. I don't know. I just think he did a good job
0: thinking through his cult. I think if anything an argument could be made that this entire book is just a critique of zealotry and organized religion if we're looking so, for like a big <coughs> with Sorry. I agree with
2: that too. That's true. But
0: they barely discussed religion. That's so, uh, not whole, true.
2: That's not true. I don't know. If you, I don't know religion. If you guys, Sorry, Austin take, and then we'll go back.
3: Uh, I don't know if you remember uh, so last discussion, right afterwards, I started watching some interviews with Brian Evanston. He was excommunicated from the Mormon church. Yeah. For his for his literature.
2: Can we can um, I ask what type of person is he? Because well, I think it ties into the, was... is this comedy or not? Did he seem like a jovial, happy guy, or did he seem like a serious, uh, twisted
3: maniac? He was a very quiet, level-spoken person, um, and every answer he had was like actually, like, he was talking about like my art and my literature, and I wanted people to see my perspectives on blah, 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 um, he is primarily a short story writer, so I think that's why we get the boiled down version of this stuff, and why there, like those open ended plot hole type things, are so rampant. Because I think short stories kind of carry that. Um, yeah, and I mean he's just he's just a guy, you know, he's just a guy doing his thing. It's just he's just a guy writing right about mutilation. Man. Yeah. <laughs> he's just a irritated. normal
2: guy, fixated on chopping off his own arm. And, um, but back to Austin's original point uh, about the religion, I, the Mormonism being excommunicated, I'd say though he's not, I'd say though he's not talking about religion specifically, the 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 appear or no the the fact that the cults themselves have so much screen time in the book. Is him uh, mediating on religion.
1: What is he saying? Yeah, what exactly?
2: That they're messed up. I think it's a common misconception. He's critiquing religion
1: by just saying that religion is messed up. That's his deep insight.
2: I mean, when (laughs) we've got two (laughs) religious organizations in here, and when your religious organ and he's care if if these two religious organizations are what we have to. Uh, used to figure out Evanston's viewpoint on religion, then obviously he doesn't think very highly of it, because the two organizations oh, it, are fairly strange.
1: But if I read a story where a, mil- a milkman stabbed somebody, I'm not critiquing milkman. Just what, because of course a milkman you are, then why'd you
2: make him a milkman? I just, just <laughs> pick the
1: character. But, There's no deeply insightful critique of milkmen just
3: because he stabbed think... because he did something messed up. I think but that I the think... critique here comes from the sheer ridiculousness of what these people are able or willing to do to try to ascend into a godly position.
2: I just well, think it's not as direct as you want it to be. No,
3: because, because if, you were to,
1: if you were to criticize the Christian church, how is saying that this cult is messed up a criticism of the Christian church?
0: I'm saying organized religion and zealotry and dedication to this cause And it's taken to an extreme example in this book by the Brotherhood of Mutilation. And then it's further embellished by having a separate subsect, which is equally batshit insane, called the Pauls. And through the interplay of these two dangerous organizations, you, yourself, find yourself in a position where you are forced to chop people into little bits over and over and over again. It just seems like danger. Like, this is fucked up and there's nothing more dangerous than that holier-than-thou mentality, so but I, don't I, practice religion, just write fun, short stories.
1: <laughs> I just, so okay, so I agree maybe he was trying to do that, so maybe my argument is more that it's not effective criticism, because like, I just feel like when you like, extrapolate something to be so extreme, it is no longer like an effective criticism. Because anybody would be like, "Yeah, of course it's bad to do those things."
0: I so, so like, how? I mean, if you look at <clears throat> dystopian novels like 1984, like Brave New Brave. World, they're very much exaggerated, and it's trying to well, the perils of like powerful governments.
1: My point is just that those novels often use real examples. From history, I know Margaret Atwood talks all the time about how, in *Handmaid's Tale*, she stricts she did not make anything up. She strictly only used things that happened. Okay. So, my point is, just when you like make something so ridiculous, it loses the effectiveness of the critique because people who read it are just gonna be like, "Yes, of course that's terrible. Like, of course nobody would do that." I don't but hear any. I
2: I think what's happening is your fixating too much on the amputation part of it and if that's what you're looking at, of course it's wildly exaggerated and not based in fact. But if you look away from that and just focus on the like cult the hive mindset that the organization has, I I think that comes from I think that's real. I think that's something that's religions have.
3: And I think also that. What else? What else is going on inside the cult?
2: I I think again, it's I think it's like a higher than thou attitude. I think it's a hive mentality. I think it's the fact that they're cut off from society. Once you excommunicate yourselves, then you've got then you're in a dangerous place because you don't have anyone to criticize what you're doing. You're just uh, the echo chamber that like minded individuals. I, I think there's a lot of things uh, like that going on in the cults that I feel uh, also happen in organized religion. So
1: you think he's calling I... organized religion cults?
2: No, I just think there's yeah. problematic aspects to religion that he brings out through the cults. I,
1: I, just... I think you guys are giving him more credit than he deserves. I agree, and I, I would just say that I think in order to make an effective criticism, it has to be applicable to like the average, everyday americans or whatever culture you're criticizing experience with religion and the average church i feel like does not have that hive mentality um like (coughs) exclusivity i don't think that and that like i don't know just and i'm using anecdotal evidence just because from the people i know i have not i don't know anybody like that
0: do you know any jehovah's witnesses
1: I don't know anything about Jehovah's Witnesses. Do you know know any Mormons? Sorry, my headphones keep cutting out. Uh.
3: So when I was working at Culver's, we would have both Jehovah's Witness and uh, the Mormon Church come there. I don't know, during the summer they would do like these retreats and they would go traveling all over the country to recruit people. To believe in Jesus. They had pamphlets talking about the evils of yeah, sex yeah. and drugs and all that stuff. And they would literally try to convert me every single time. They would always come in. And because I was at work, I had to be nice, you know, and I had to put on a happy face and I would talk to them, hey, where are you guys from? Da da da. And every time it was presented at the beginning as, hey, we're just cool kids. Like we're just having fun. And they would talk to me and I would like flirt with girls and stuff not realizing what was happening and then they would say so uh what would you say about taking the leap or what would you say about pushing your faith just to that next level and i'm like whoa i was talking to you about cheese curds just a second ago <laughs> and like then they would like leave me these pamphlets then they would leave me their cars like please call us anytime that you feel that you're ready and i'm like that's crazy like
2: saying it's pointing out problematic aspects of religion or it's being negative towards religion but I don't think it's like he's trying to criticize your Sunday service like I don't think that's what he's trying to criticize I think it's extreme cases of religion where it is like Mormonism or Jehovah's Witnesses who uh, are taking it more seriously than your typical Sunday going church so he's, uh,
1: he's criticizing a part of religion that most religious people would be be criticized? And you guys think this is a comedic satire of a hard-boiled detective novel with light criticisms of organized religion? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Alright.
2: We're <laughs> <So, laughs> uh, just never going to
1: be on the same page. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I wanna... It reminds me, when I was in Loyola, um, there was like this group because Loyola's a a Catholic Jesuit, school Jesuit. and uh there, there were always these kids that were like trying to be like the cool edgy atheists you know mm-hmm. and that's what this this like maybe Brian Evanson yeah, reminds me of yeah
2: but I, don't you think it could if he because he was in the Mormon church right I don't know yeah. Correct. I was Brian pretty Evanson, sure yeah. yeah Brian Evanson was part of it for a while and then left and so maybe it's just his no, he didn't
3: leave he was excommunicated he was kicked out of the church
2: well, because okay. Yeah, yeah. No, what I meant is Brian Evanston doesn't have the best time with Mormonism, uh, has negative feelings towards them. That comes out through this book, whether consciously as a form of a critique or subconsciously in the topic manner that he chooses to write about from his experience. Like, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe we're giving him too much credit, and maybe he just had a bad time with Mormonism, and it came out in his writings. And it's not, like, this level-headed critique that we're making it out to be.
3: Mm-hmm. Which I think is probably more accurate. I don't think that, uh... I don't think he was going for a very specific thing. He was just saying, in general, like, big blanket terms type thing, like, organized religion, is chaotic. Um... And I don't say that – I'm not even saying that he executed it well or that it was a well-thought-out argument or that somebody should take it to that next level and say, oh, my God, just avoid religion and cults altogether. Uh, If you want to join a cult, go for it. You may find good stuff there. Uh, But I do think that the conversation that it sparked between could it be or could it not be, I think that's pretty good. I think that's important too. Not so much that he succeeded in creating the criticism, but the fact that we're thinking and talking about it, I think, is is worth mentioning too. Yeah,
2: and I think right. we've found a good middle ground so. between. No, Josh, 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 no. can we just find the middle ground? Can we be okay with the middle ground?
1: I mean, I could I could look at a piece of shit and spark a conversation about it. <laughs> That's what we're like doing. We <laughs> oh
2: wow. Let's just let's just stick a knife in this. Stick- Josh, what, what's your uh, out of ten?
1: I would give it a one.
2: <laughs> All right. You, you have the microphone.
1: Uh, I, I think that it's entertaining. I mean, I, I would def, I would certainly give it a different rating if the question was how entertaining do you think it was. Let's it, ask that.
0: No, we can't change the question. No, it's just uh, in general. Like, I think he gets points for entertainment regardless. So okay, you're right. No, no, you're run. right.
1: That's fair. Okay, I up it to a three. Because I did did I did, it did entertain me. I laughed at it. Uh, okay, so I'll up it to a three. But I found no literary merit at all. So that's, that's why I give it a list score. Okay, uh,
2: let's keep it going with Ben.
1: Yeah, three. Same reason.
2: <laughs> all right. <laughs> I am going to go next. I, if it was just, sec- just? If it was just the first half, I would have said a six, maybe seven. But I just think the second half a seven? Was, was very baddie and crazy. Hey, I let you give your one, and I didn't criticize. <laughs> um, I didn't even. <laughs> uh, so crazy that overall, I'd give it a five.
0: So I'm gonna give it an eleven out of ten. Because I think this might very well be the best book I have ever read. Uh, the best book ever written. Um, no, I'll give it. I'll give it a seven.
3: All right. Um, and I will give it a five as well. Uh, I think that the entertainment value was much higher than the literary value. Of mm-hmm. course. Um, I think the absurdity aspect of it um, was far more appealing than how, like the, the sense that it made. So taking all things into consideration, it'd be a 5. I think entertainment was a 7, and uh, literary value was a 3, so meet in the middle ground.
2: I think it was certainly original, it was certainly inspired, so I think it deserves more than a 3.
0: And one observation that I'd like to make, at least about my own experience with the book, is that it kept me glued to it. Like, it did have me wanting to know, like, what's coming next, and whether or not it was satisfying or whether or not it was a disappointment. There was never a point like, oh, this is fucking stupid, I want to put this down, or, oh, this is fucking stupid, I can't finish it. So, from start to finish, I did enjoy it.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I
1: agree too.
0: Ben, do you agree?
1: Yeah, it was better than Master and the Margarita for sure.
0: Oh, wait. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Don't even get Josh started. <laughs> oh. So, I, bet, told, I will agree. That book, I just wanted to put down. This one, I didn't mind finishing. Um, so, all told. That gives this book an overall 4.6 stars per the book club. Uh, it was decent enough to finish, but it was not decent enough to read again or pass along to a larger audience. I'm
2: just glad if we were. I'm just glad that we do this from separate locations because I feel like if we were in the same room. It would have been a brawl by this point. Okay, understood. Yeah, right. I understood. You it's know it's what? You know, know what? Yeah, no, no. Yeah. But can I? Ju- yeah, I agree. I'm gonna say, yeah, we're con- yeah, we're feuding right now. Yeah, some of us might go to uh, go to sleep upset with each other, and that's not good for a relationship. But I think for the podcast, it's good that we have opposing opinions. I think it generates better conversation as a whole. Yeah. That being said, like, fuck you guys, man, this was a great that being said, Phil, uh, we're gonna get rid of you. Josh, uh, one star, we're getting rid of you.
3: I only want only fives and above. Yeah. That's right.
1: Josh, you want to form our own um, book club? will be called the <laughs> Paris. <laughs>
0: hey, uh do we talk about next book now?
2: That is it for last days. The next book that we are reading is by Saul Bellow. The novel is Herzog. Uh, stay tuned for what we're gonna read as far as the first section goes. We haven't broken it down yet, but Saul Bellow Herzog is the next novel that we'll be reading together. Two weeks.